a gang leader who had been the terror of that neighborhood for years died in a fight. And his brother told the pastor before the funeral, Father, my brother was everything to me. I want you to hear, I want to hear in your sermon that you say that my brother was a saint. If you don't, I can make your life pretty difficult in this part of town. So the priest didn't know what to do. Call this scoundrel a saint and, you know, uh, upset everybody else in the parish or face the ire of this violent man. So the funeral was approaching and the pastor couldn't sleep at night and finally the day came and the moment of the homily came and father began, we all know who Robert was. He was a violent man, he dealt drugs, he stole from many people in this area, he cheated, nobody liked him. Everybody in the congregation gasped at that moment. But the priest continued, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. You know, unlike the man in the, the joke, most people will be quite reluctant to call themselves or, or to call their family members saints. But this feast that we celebrate today reminds us that that's our identity. At heart, what we are created to be is to be saints. That's who you and I are meant to be in the eyes of God, to be members of the New Jerusalem, of the city of God, you know, and a hallmark of all the saints while on earth is that none of them thought of themselves as saints. They, you know, they knew they were imperfect and inclined to fall. And so they had this great humility and they confessed and admitted their sins. And that's a sign of true holiness. And that humility is actually not a fake one because they knew that any holiness they had was the work of Jesus in their hearts, not their own merit, not their own work. So they could say in truth, nothing I have in me, nothing good in me comes from me, but from Jesus. So ultimately, holiness is, is that. It's not a matter of what we can do, but of what Jesus can do in each one of us. When we glorify and honor the saints, we don't glorify our own work, but the work of the artist in each one of us. And if our destination is to be heaven, God will make a saint. That's his promise. That's one of his promises, that he will make each one of us into this great masterpiece. Why is that? Well, because heaven means to partake in the happiness of God, not any kind of happiness, but the happiness of God, the happiness that results from that perfect love of Christ. What happiness can we enjoy in heaven if as soon as we get there, I begin thinking, gee, I didn't think so-and-so would make it here. How did he get in? Or what is she doing here? How did she get a better place than mine? Did, I mean, did, does she have season, season tickets or something? Or look who's there. Well, I've forgiven this man, but don't expect me to talk to him. If that's my thinking, that's my feeling when I get to heaven, there's no heaven. There's no heaven. Simply put, because those kind of feelings just ruin the whole party, at least for me, at least for my own heart. That's where all the division starts and there's nothing I can enjoy. 
So that's why Jesus says to each one of us, do you understand why I need you to be holy? Because you need to, be, to join my kingdom and enjoy it. I need you to join my wedding feast and be part of the joy. You cannot be struggling with all these things. So I need you to be a saint. And no one, can, no one who lives with this sort of agreement with evil can be ultimately happy. And Jesus loves us too much to allow us to settle him for that. He wants, you know, he, in his work of making us saints, he will carry us through to the end. As C.S. Lewis likes to say, you know, God will make you a masterpiece or nothing at all. What he won't do is leave you halfway made. Either a masterpiece or nothing at all. So I think that's the first lesson of today's celebration. We are all called to that, to holiness, to be that image of Christ. The second lesson that we have, especially linked to the Gospel of the Beatitudes, is that holiness is not a one-size-fits-all type of perfection. All the saints imitate Jesus, but each one of them in a different way. You have a vocation to be a saint, but no one else has a vocation to be a saint in your way. There's only one you in all the history of the universe. It's as if Jesus had this, you know, the, the love of Christ and his perfection was this ray of white light. When it, but when it enters the church, it's separated into this, uh, in all this array of different colors and different hues of all the different saints. And some of the Beatitudes we just heard, you know, for example, reflect different aspects of holiness, all of them, all of which are contained in Jesus. Some of them reflect that perfect freedom that Jesus has, the freedom of his heart, freedom of, from all the obstacles to the grace of God, money and greed. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, or the freedom from peer pressure and the pursuit of approval and prestige. He says, blessed are the persecuted. Freedom from violence and anger. Blessed are the meek. Freedom from control, lust, selfishness. Blessed are the clean of heart. Many of the saints we remember in our history portrayed this kind of freedom. Think of, for example, St. Thomas More. Uh, this great saint in England in the 1500s, a lawyer, uh, a married man who was the, came to be the chancellor of England. But initially, uh, when he was first appointed to the king's council, he was the most, the youngest of all the councillors. On the first meeting, he opposed uh, the Lord Chancellor. And the chancellor, as you can imagine, was fuming with this young, up-and-coming lawyer. And at the end of the meeting, he pulled him aside and says, More, what have you done? proven to be such an idiot and stupid counselor. Thomas More kind of looked down for a moment, paused, and then said to the chancellor, well, let's thank God that his majesty has only one idiot in his council. You know, that's what the saints are made of. Uh, they have this great freedom to say the right thing, to not be afraid of losing their position, their money, and Thomas More indeed was. He was a martyr for the faith. 
Then there's this other series of Beatitudes referred to a positive aspect, not freedom from something negative, but the positive love for the goods of the kingdom of God. They basically say, you know, blessed if your friendship with Jesus is such that you love what he loves and you reject what Jesus rejects. So Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, those who mourn for the right things and rejoice for the right things. If you think in the Gospels, there's only two moments of Jesus's, Jesus weeping. When he cries over Jerusalem and when he cries for Lazarus, for his friend. He weeps for those who are away from the Father and for his friend who has died. You'll never see Jesus mourning for the wrong reasons. Self-pitying himself. like you know, Just lamenting that people don't listen to him or go away or complaining for any small things, that, any bad thing that happens to him. Blessed are the merciful, the peacemakers, those who hunger for thir and thirst for righteousness. That is, blessed are those who love my Father, who seek his kingdom, and who love others profoundly, even in a world in which they find injustice and offenses and division. In a world like that, love has to take on the form of mercy, peacemaking, and forgiveness. And many saints loved in that way. They kept loving even when they found ungratefulness, coldness. Think of St. Ignatius Loyola, for example. There's many, many great saints come to mind, but him, one time he had this man who stole his money, basically run away with his savings. And a few years later he heard this man was in a bad situation. He was in despair, he was turning away from God. And Ignatius made this promise, I want the conversion of this man. And to do that, I'm going to walk to him for three days in the snow with no food. And he did. And he obtained his conversion. Well, that's the kind of stuff the saints are made of. You know, it's easy to love those who love us, but to love those who have wronged us. To be merciful, to be a peacemaker, to keep loving in spite of all the evil and the discouraging things we might see. That's Christ-like love. So the multitude of the saints remind us we're all, each one of us, called to holiness. And each one of us with a specific path or vocation or style of holiness. So what are those saints? Who are those saints in which you find inspiration? Which of the Beatitudes is Jesus calling you to live out in a particular way? What aspect of Christ's holiness is he inviting you to imitate? May we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for calling me to be part of your body, of the church, of the new Jerusalem, of the city of the redeemed. Transform my heart, my heart Lord, and purify it. Because only through your grace will I dare enter such a place. Lead me, Lord Jesus, that I may start to walk in your footsteps today and live now that kind of life that one day I will experience in all its fullness. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs>